Five. Hello, and welcome back to The Silent Why. Thank you. Not you. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> the listeners. Okay. I'm Claire. I'm Chris. And we are here on this podcast about loss and grief, but specifically trying to find hope through it. And is it possible to find 101 different types of loss and grief? So welcome if you're new. Welcome back if you're not. Um, we're a married couple. Been married for seven, 18 years. 18, 18 years. And uh, it's just the two of us, no children. It's part of our story of childlessness infertility that's led to us doing this podcast really recognizing that there's so much in life to grieve so much loss not necessarily just the obvious losses like a bereavement of a, a loved one that we wanted to start having those conversations to make people think more about you know the loss of an identity uh, an occupation a body part some sort of physical health thing all sorts so that's why we're in search of 101 different types of loss and this last week we were staying with somebody at an airbnb thing and she was saying she looked us up when she heard that i did a podcast and she sort of saw what we were doing and came back to me and said it's really interesting because she'd been through a divorce and she said i'd never really thought about that as like a grief and a loss She'd never really thought of it, but so much made sense when she reflected back on that time and the years afterwards. There was quite a lot that she recognises, you know, she was grieving, whether she knew it at the time or not. And so she was starting to see it in a different way and working out why it felt so hard for her to go through that. So that sort of thing just reminds me how important these conversations are, because there's still so many people who go through things like childlessness and like divorce who just don't see it as some kind of grief. So it's important that we have these conversations. And sometimes I think that it's so normal for us having done this for a year and a half. It's like, well, maybe we've told everybody now that there's lots of losses and there's lots of griefs. But I have to remind myself, so many people out there are going through these things that aren't seen as the sort of same thing as bereavements, which are seen as like the kind of typical grief. So it's, I really want people to get some encouragement that, you know, whatever you've been through, even if, it's, if you've lost a house or a job or something like Chris said in his list, there are things that need grieving and it might be a shorter grieving process. It might be longer. You don't know. It depends on the person, but they're very important. And our job is to try and find hope in them. Is it possible to find hope in all these kinds of losses? And sometimes it won't be for certain individuals. But does that mean it can't be found through that loss by anybody? Potentially not. So that's sort of what we're exploring and looking at and finding people who have found hope through these things in the hope that it gives other people hope. Hope kind of spreads. Lots of hope. Hopey, hopey, hope. hope. <laughs> we're all about the hope. And uh, yeah, so we've had a break. We had a week off. The week before last, there was no episode. So the reason for that was that we were off to do something. And I alluded to it in my social media and at the end of the previous episode, just saying we were off to do something exciting. It was still grief and loss related, but it would mean I wouldn't be putting out an episode that week. So we thought we'd come back now, tell you a bit about what that was, why we were doing it. And then there's some more content to come on it throughout the next couple of months. I'll spread out some stuff about what we were doing. So it all started when we did an episode on one of the losses, and I forget which number it was, talking to funeral directors about what it was like to work in a profession where you're dealing with loss and grief and death every day. And that was a very eye-opening episode, I think, to what that sort of career, that sort of vocation goes through, the sort of things these people have to deal with. And I found it quite challenging to think there are people out there doing that and quite humbling to think there are people out there doing these sorts of jobs every day. And, you know, they have some real horror stories. They have some amazing stories, but it's a, it's a very unique kind of calling, I think, that kind of job. So I'm very grateful people are doing it. And we interviewed two funeral directors about that. And after that interview, I was chatting to them in lots of different ways. Uh, it was Chris Lord Brown and Jonathan Harty. 
And they said that people are very welcome to come and see what they do. So I decided to take them up on their offer and asked if we could come and have a look around and do work experience before I'd mentioned it to Chris. Yeah, that before you'd come to me to say, could you take a week off work? I'd be like, yeah, sure. Should we have a holiday? Well, we could do, or we could go do some work experience. Yes, at a funeral <laughs> director's. So yeah, we did. We uh, We got it all sorted out and we found two days to go and spend some time with them. And they were very kind and very generous with their time. And just showing us a little bit about what their work looks like, what sort of things they encounter, what their day-to-day office work looks like, what they do when they're out and about collecting people that have died, all these sorts of things. So really fascinating. Some people thought we were crazy. Why on earth would you want to go and do that sort of thing? But I think it was... I felt like it was important. I don't know what you felt when I told you, but I felt like because I've been to a lot of funerals, I think I tried to count them up the other day because I was doing this and it was it was over nearly over 20, some in person, some online during COVID. And they ranged from ages of quite small children right through to, you know, people in their 90s. But I'd never actually seen a dead body. I hadn't actually ever come across death face to face like that. And I felt like if I'm doing a podcast like this, I want to immerse myself more in that side of what people go through. What is it like going into the funeral home? What's it like talking to people that are grieving? What's it like to see a dead body? What's it like to, you know, be at the crematorium? All these sorts of things. So that's partly why I thought it was important for me to to just put myself in that situation. And I was curious to see how I would act. And then, you know, I thought, well, if I'm going... Chris is part of the podcast too. I did ask, do you do you want me there? Do you want to do I'm happy to come with you and just let you go and do your thing? And you were like, no, you always love sharing experiences. I do love so, sharing. Thank you. Um, it was a, uh, I was going to say it was a pleasure. It was an interesting couple of days. It was. I think it's one of those things that sometimes in, in our marriage, I book you in to do something or I pick to do something and you're not part of the planning and you're not incredibly sure about it, but I know you're going to really enjoy it. And I think this was one of those experiences. And when I say enjoy, I mean enjoy as in it's just fascinating to immerse yourself in a different kind of job and world that you wouldn't normally get to see. It was a complete privilege we were able to do it. Yeah. Totally. Um, I thank well, thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you for taking the lead. And we didn't just have you know, that wasn't the entire trip away. We did have a few days of rest and refreshment and exploring Snowdonia National Park in Wales. Yeah, it was a nice mix of everything. So that's what we were doing. And off the back of that, I've got some more content coming up for the podcast because I'm going to do a blog episode talking about what is it like coming face to face with death. You know, when you see your first dead body, what does that feel like, and why did I feel like I needed to do that? Don't worry, I haven't recorded any live audio for you on that one. And it'll, be very, it'll be very quiet. It will be very be quiet, but maybe a little creepy. I'm not sure that would really work. And the other thing we did was we went to visit the Eternal Forest, which is a beautiful natural forest burial ground in Wales. And we recorded some audio with Julia, who runs that as part of the charity that owns it. And we're going to put that into an episode as well so you can hear that. And that's really worth hearing because it's just a fascinating place. And if I lived in Wales, I'd be booking my slot there already. You can hear the sound of the birds, the wind in the trees, the horseflies landing on us and being swatted before they, they yes, bite us. we were all very well wrapped up. <laughs> Covered in spray. Flies. Oh my word, it was a week and a half for bitey things. I think we were unfortunate because our hosts in one of the places said it only just occurred the last two days. So it was, yeah, it was unfortunate timing. That's not Wales as a whole. That's just when we were there. But yes, it, it was a bit bitey. We're still healing now. Just to pick up on, and you have said this, I'm not sure how the role of a funeral director to come back to that. I don't know how that translates in different countries, different cultures. 
but I certainly have never really given it much thought. But my understanding of a funeral director, we did the interview, which was eye-opening. But before that, my understanding of, of what a funeral director does is, is organise the funeral. So they're very smart. They're there driving hearses. They collect whoever has died in the coffin. They take it to the uh, Well, no one service. dies in a coffin. Oh, no, of course not, no. But I never really thought about all the stuff before that. And so it was really surprising for me to experience, to hear about, first of all, in the episode that we did, the variety of stuff, you know, right from uh, the very clean and comfortable meeting of families in their lovely sort of accommodation where the funeral home is, welcoming people in there, making that really inviting space for those who are, you know, who are grieving, really, organising funeral arrangements, through to the stuff out the back, the stuff that you don't see, the dressing of the dead bodies, um, the call-outs in the middle of the night, the traipsing through woods to collect people that have taken their own lives, all that sort of stuff as well. It's really surprising how much, you know, they, they do it all, basically. They're like a sixth emergency service. I think we have four emergency services, don't we? The fifth is breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to call it the sixth emergency service. What's the fourth? Is that lifeguard? Not lifeguard. Oh, that's a good point. The, Don't know. The C one. Okay, well, they're, they're like an, an emergency Always service. Always dangerous to try and list stuff when you're not <laughs> I experienced. Won't, I won't number them. <laughs> But yeah, it's really surprising that what they experience and see, they don't have an outlet for it. They're not offered, you know, there's not an industry that offers them support and counselling and just, you know, it's just their families. Basically, they go home at the end of a night, at the end of a day, maybe don't want to share with their families what they've experienced. They just they just bottle it up. I guess my, my challenge uh, is if you meet a funeral director uh, in the weeks, months, years ahead, then just, uh, yeah, ask them how they are. Tell them you're thinking of them because then you appreciate all they do behind the scenes and all they swallow and push down um, for our good, really. Yeah, I think every time now I see a news story, and sadly there are many now, of people that have died in any form, I'm thinking about the quiet job of the undertaker in the background that's going in to collect the body. And I would say, yes, if you meet one, apparently I've spoken to a few and they've said that at weddings, they're like they're like the interesting person to sit next to because people are fascinated by what they do. But I actually, rather than quizzing them on a lot of stuff, I think I'd just start with a thank you because to have people in our society that are willing to do that and go into some horrific situations to do what the family need to be done in a very careful and a very sensitive way, I think is, is pretty impressive. I would also like to add that when I said lifeguard, I've realised it's Coast Guard because the lifeguard's the guy that sits at swimming pool and I don't think he's an emergency service. Well, to some, he is. <laughs> the seventh emergency service. <laughs> the lifeguard. We really need to work on our emergency service list. We will sort this out. But yes, you're right. Amazing people. And although, you know, obviously we didn't see a lot of what they do. We didn't see all the prepping of bodies and things. Um, but we did go on a collection to collect somebody and, and see a body. There was so much more there that I... I don't even know if I would have wanted to see, uh, which is saying something. Because I don't really like sort of saying, oh, I wouldn't want to see or I wouldn't want to do what you do. I feel like that's a bit insulting in some ways. Like, oh, you can do it, but I'm not going to do it. But so mostly I think with most people's jobs, I'd be interested to see everything they do. But with theirs, there were areas where I just thought, wow, if I if I had to see that, that would be a big step. Like people who have seen autopsies. I know a lot of people have seen autopsies and postmortems as part of their role in just medicine. Um, that's another step as well. I admire people who put themselves in a situation of wanting to be interested just to educate themselves because it is not not easy stuff to see from the stories that I've heard. So one step at a time. Who knows? Maybe we'll see a post-mortem at some point. But... 
I'm not there yet. No, me neither. <laughs> if you ask me to take another week off work, you've, you've got some experience in a hospital, I'll be saying no. Yeah. I know, I know what you're going for. I won't go too far. And that's a whole other level. I mean, talking of work, uh, you wouldn't have experienced this, unfortunately. You work from home. So for me, it was it was brilliant to go back to work and for people to say, oh, hi, how was your week off? What did you get up to? And I'd be like, oh, well, we watched some ospreys. We ate fish and chips by the sea. We explored a beautiful national park and streams and waterfalls and, and saw some dead bodies. And, and they're like, hmm, pardon? <laughs> As you do in Wales. It's a I love just watching, you know, just seeing with a few different colleagues at work, just seeing their intrigue or their not. They're like, nope. Don't tell me about that. Yeah, or, people are really. What? what? Why? Really, I think even my mother was like, "Oh no, you know, you're not my daughter. You're not my daughter. <laughs> Why? Why would you want to do?" And she's a nurse, so I, yeah, I think it's a, it's been an interesting list of responses. You know, we talk a lot about wording on this podcast and and really watching how we word things. And I think another one that's hit me has been when you come back from holiday or being away, a lot of people default to have you had a nice time? Did you have a lovely time away? Was it amazing? They assume it was good. And I've actually started to find that a little irritating because actually holidays are, for some people, are quite stressful. They're not always this amazing getaway where the family get to all be together and it's a bit different and unique and you've gone somewhere amazing. For a lot of people, holidays are quite stressful. They can be very challenging financially, so they need to go well. And if they don't, that can be quite disappointing. And I think for us, we've had a lot of holidays where we've had some lovely times and we've, we know that we're privileged to be able to afford it and go away and do it. But at the same time, it's been a very difficult week, either because of talking about childlessness and trying to come to terms with where we are in life or because of my health and just feeling ill or not myself, you know, or one of us has had COVID or something. So the assumption that when people come back from holiday, it's always good, I think is quite a, a dangerous way to go. I think I think I prefer the whole kind of line of how was your time away rather than the assumption it was amazing. It was good. Yeah, yeah. You were away, so it must have been good. And I mean, you know, remember back a week ago, we met a couple who'd afforded themselves a luxury breakaway in St. Lucia, which they were really looking forward to and needed after quite a lengthy spell of renovating a house. But anyway, they, near the start of the holiday, got held up by knife point on the beach and got mugged and had stuff nicked like their mobile phones, passports. They were fine, thank Thankfully. But, you know, it's just like if they're not going to come back and say, oh, that was an amazing <laughs> luxury holiday in St. Lucia, they're going to come back saying that was traumatizing. Well, it's a loss. There's grief there. You've lost a holiday that you were looking forward to. You thought it'd be amazing that cost a lot of money and it's all gone. Yeah. So actually you can come back off the back of a holiday with grief. It's not that you assume people are having a bad time, but I think we just we need to be bit more careful sometimes we say this so often i think this often across all anniversaries celebrations and it's just the danger potentially of assumed knowledge mm. where you assume something's good you assume someone's on half term holiday because you are you assume it's been a good holiday you assume oh, it's a yes. happy occasion and that, all this sort yeah, of stuff yeah people with children come on that whole kind of have you had a good week and i look at them and think You've never really asked me that. Um, yeah, yes. And then I twig, you're only asking me because it's half term, which doesn't apply to me at you all. You need to forgive them and move on. We've no. had this conversation before. I'm educating them for everybody else out there. There will be people out there right now without children just sitting there going, yes, the whole world does not run by term time. More empathy, less assumption, I think. More trying to understand where somebody else is rather than assuming yeah, they're in the same Yeah, but just remembering, place. they spent a whole bunch of time not having term times dictate their life. They know what it's like, unless you're a teacher. So... On the whole, they, they just, it's just remembering that you were there once and that not everybody is in the same boat. But anyway. We've come a long way from Wales now. We have, yeah. We're, <laughs> we're, um, but we're back. 
it was a lovely week. It was a, it was mixed with, you know, fascination and beauty with nature and relaxing and... Bitey flies. Bitey flies. Less relaxing <laughs> for <laughs> certain things. Yeah, and we've come back to reality and even that has been, for me, a bit tricky. I think I described it to somebody. It was a bumpy landing back into routine. I just felt like questions come up when you go on holiday, don't they, about what you're doing with life. Where are you? What's happening? And I think I've got a lot of things that I want to do and achieve, but I haven't quite fully got my hormones and my health back in check. It's getting there, but it's not where I want it to be. I've got my writing that I want to do. I'm doing the podcasting. Balancing that is all quite challenging sometimes when you're working to all of your own deadlines and your own goals. So it throws up a lot of things when you get back of like, where am I? What do I want to do? So yes, I think Sunday I was a bit shattered. My digestive system just shut off briefly for a while. Like, no, we're overwhelmed. We can't do this. Which again, shouldn't happen off the back of holiday. You're supposed to be refreshed. So, And then someone says, have you had a nice break? Exactly. You're like, and that's when it's mm. like, how do I describe this? And I end up saying, yeah, it was lovely. Rather than actually saying, actually, it's been really hard and coming back has been difficult and I feel like I need a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> but then really... you just get accused of being indulgent and You do. You and... feel selfish and it doesn't feel... And then you beat yourself up about it and that's why your stomach shuts down. So it's very, it's very difficult. We want people out there who know this feeling to know, don't worry. If you go on holiday and it's more stressful because you don't get on with your husband, if you go on holiday with your kids and it's a nightmare because the family dynamics are really hard when it's that intense, if you go on holiday because you don't have children and you come back and you're confused, if you can't go on holiday because you're single and you don't have anyone you want to go with, we get it. It's not all amazing so just be aware of that and again it's another loss it's part of your journey it's part of what you're going through that is hard and again I think people need to just be sensitive around these kind of things especially in workplaces and stuff if you say how how was your holiday was it amazing and they say yes there's a high chance it wasn't but because you phrased it that way they don't know how to turn you around and tell you it wasn't because they feel like it was a privilege to go in the first place so all good things to learn anyway and if you I don't want to linger on this but if you if you do then have to say to them why don't you want to linger on it (laughs) Well, Even that, that in itself it's, is annoying. It's a short we podcast We should link episode. on these things, they're important. But if someone says, is it amazing, you turn around and say, well, no, it wasn't, then you feel like you're just going to be the depressing one. Yeah. It's like, oh, they walk away from that conversation like, oh my word. Yeah, what's wrong with them? be a bit more thankful. They've been away, I haven't been away. Yeah. It's about we're recognising individual journeys. Yes, and I'm recognising your spiralling into darkness when we get back from our holiday. Are you then? <laughs> not always, not very Mr. well. Mr. Nearly always cheery. <laughs> Yeah, it's very difficult living with someone this cheerful. You miss the undertakers, I understand. I do, yes. Yeah. That's an energy about an undertaker's you miss the office. Quietness. I understand yeah. the severity of life. Yes, yeah, the weighty, the weightiness. I'm much more comfortable in that than I am at a party. That's true. It is true, it's sad, but it, no, not, it's not sad. It's who I am. Yeah. As an individual. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to celebrate it, but in a very low key funeral way. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that was our week. That's what we were doing. We've got some more content. And I'm going to process it and put it into blogs and stuff to explain it a bit more about what that was like. So if you're interested in that. And lots of lovely sounds. Stay tuned. Got lots of nice sounds. I recorded. So I had a, a new type of episode that I put out a few weeks ago, which are just really short five minute episodes that just ask you to tune into something specific about yourself. And for two minutes, I just play some sound that I've found somewhere, somewhere I've been that I've found really relaxing. And then you can just think through that. It's just a moment to just make you stop and listen and appreciate something about what you're going through. And so I'm on the lookout now for any sounds around me that I think would be good background sounds. So I've got a whole chunk of those from Wales. I've got some lovely birds. I've got some babbling brooks. I've got waterfalls. I've got all kinds of stuff that I'm going to use for those episodes. So you can stay tuned for that as well. I'm looking forward to those because it's going to take me right back to where we were when we recorded them. 
Yeah. Lovely. Unfortunately, several of them got abandoned because uh, one, I was doing a lovely one of the morning. I went to get the steam train in the distance, which I didn't manage to catch, I don't think. But I did get the lovely birds. But then our host came out and started chatting morning. to us. <laughs> Halfway through, I was like, quick, stop, stop, stop. So um, not all of them always went to that plan. That made me smile. And sometimes the wind was so loud you couldn't hear anything else, so that one went as well. But I did get some lovely sounds of me either walking around or sitting still. And, yeah, so I've got those coming up, so I'll put a few of those out over the summer. I am going to try and do more writing over the summer because it's harder to record podcast episodes when the um, the kids are off school around here. It's quite loud and... Our podcast room, although it's got a lot of soundproofing in it and we shut off the windows and everything, the house and the walls still aren't quite strong enough to hold out all the sound. So it's quite hard to record things. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and do a lot more writing over the summer. So I'm going to pre-do shorter little episodes probably that I'll put out over the summer and then it's easier for people to catch up because I know it's a busy time for some people anyway. And that's why I'm going to be doing that because I'm going to focus on my writing. But I've already got about four interviews booked in for September for losses and let's chats and all kinds so don't worry we're not petering out of this we're coming back strong in september i'm not worried and watch this space because eventually i will get this novel finished 101 different types of loss can you find hope in them we're up to about what 44 43 something what like have that? i told you about not giving lists and numbers unless yeah, you know I, the exact do I think numbers. we're in the 40s so we've, we've got a long way to go to achieve our target of 101 we're at loss 45 so 45, got a long way to go to get to 101. We really value the support we get. So thank you for the feedback, the emails, the comments on social media. Reviews. Love more of that. Our reviews. Yeah, we've not mentioned that for a while. So important to review our episode, to rate or review whatever your uh, particular platform where you listen to the podcast. Uh, it's so important if you could rate or review us. So I that's, think we've that's got like important. 10 or 15 reviews, but there are a lot more people out there listening so that could so go on more. and you do really, that. Yeah, come on, so please, come on, please review us. It really helps. We can't compete with some of these big podcasts. Uh, and part of that is that they'll get like 100 reviews and then that pushes them up and helps other people see them and work out if they want to listen. So it's just a free thing to do, but it's really important. It's on Apple Podcasts. You can do it on Spotify, but Apple Podcasts is the main place I think everyone goes. Good Pods, if anyone uses that app, you can do it on there as well. But they are really important for helping us find new people and find new listeners. And the bigger it gets, the more stuff I can do. So it is it is really important. The podcast has hit nearly 22,000 downloads so far. So that's very exciting. It's incredible, isn't it? Wow. We've done way better than we thought. And when we first started out, we were like, let's see if we can get to 1,000 downloads by Christmas. This was like in the September. And we did it. We went over the 1,000. I was like, really exciting. And now we're on 22. So that's really encouraging. So, yeah, thank you. And it's all over the world as well, which is really, really It's lovely. Humbling. Yeah, definitely. And how can we support you in your writing and... And the, all the time that you give uh, making this happen. Yes. So I have some people who donate regularly and they are wonderful people that I am very appreciative of. So thank you if you're one of those. And I list them on our website. But yeah, buymeacoffee.com slash the silent why is somewhere you can go to either just buy me a one-off coffee. It's actually a fancy tea because I drink tea rather than coffee. But you can buy me one of those as a one-off or you can buy me three, four, five, six or ten. Or you can support me monthly. And then there's different kind of little rewards you get for doing that. And the people who are doing that already are helping me pay towards the costs of the podcast. So the cost of the podcast is already covered by those people, which is fantastic because podcasts actually cost money to put out there because you're paying for your hosting. But because of that, because of these people generously giving their money, those costs are covered for me, which really helps. But anything I get on top of that just helps me actually live day to day and continue this. And I'd like to, you know, bring it into more areas and I'm looking at other ways I can make money through the kind of area of grief and loss. But if you appreciate what's happening here and you want it to continue, I do need some form of support along the line or else at some point I might just have to go and jack it in and work in a supermarket. 
Well, I hope that doesn't happen. Me too. Nothing wrong with the supermarket, but I know how much you <laughs> love doing this. And I also long for the day where we go away on holiday, like we've just had the week away, and you say something like, oh, you know, we're going out for lunch, I'll get this. <laughs> and I know that you mean Actually, it. Actually, to be fair, I do say that a lot. You do say, you say it. Mostly so. in jest. <laughs> <laughs> I, love I can't you. afford it. I'd love you to mean it. It would be nice to have a few luxuries, which yeah. is what, what I could bring in maybe one day. And we, and we do have a shared bank account, so it's not like... Uh, yes. Um, you know, the what's a, mine is yours is very true in our marriage, which I'm very grateful of at this stage in my life. Yeah. I'd just like a bit more of yours to be mine. Yeah, I'm sure you would. <laughs> Financially. Well, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. Let me get my novel done. If I could sell four or five copies, maybe we can have that tea. Copies or coffees? Copies. Copies of the book. Yes. Right. Oh, dear. You don't even listen anymore. I am listening. I don't speak very clearly. Right. You've got headphones on. I'm literally being pumped <laughs> into your ear. <laughs> right. Mumbling. Moving on. Anyway, yes, thank you for listening. Wherever you are right now, we really appreciate you. And we hope that you're getting something from the podcast in the way of learning about grief and loss. We've got more losses coming up for you. We're almost hitting the halfway mark, so that's exciting. We'll have to do something. We've worked out the halfway mark is halfway through the 51st episode Don't or something. Don't try and do numbers. So that would be amusing. We should break that one up with a big like, woohoo, we're halfway. Uh, and then carry on with the interview. Don't worry, we won't do that if you're 51. <laughs> that would be uh, awkward. So uh, we'll be back soon with some more losses. And I've got lots of Let's Chats because I've got lots of subjects that are really interesting that people want to hear more about or people I've come across that I want to talk to. So I've got some good ones of those coming up. And my metaphorical shed that I'm building is now getting packed out with tools. So that's very exciting. I do picture a non-fiction book about that one day. So that would be good about all the tools for loss and helping you get through loss and grief. So if you haven't been through loss yet or you haven't been through a lot of grief, there's some great ways of learning how to get through it. And we really believe that you can prepare yourself to an extent for this. And actually, the episode I did on the grieving brain with Mary Frances O'Connor, the scientist, she said there are ways you can prepare for loss. They can see that. So scientific fact. So thank you for listening. If you want to find out any more about us, we've got our story of childlessness. You can listen to episode three, where we talk about our journey personally with loss of fertility. And um, you can follow us on social media, even if you just follow us on social media or share some of our posts just to help other people understand different kinds of losses. That's really encouraging. So we're on Instagram as at the Silent Y pod. Facebook, you'll find us at the Silent Y podcast. Twitter at the Silent Y pod. And LinkedIn, Silent Y podcast. So find us wherever you are and drop us a like or an encouragement and we'll see you slash speak to you we'll be in your ears next week next week (laughs) amen i don't have a quote this week so thinking back on last week the words that come to mind were part of a story that the funeral director jonathan harty told us it made us chuckle a lot it was a very funny story and only he will know what they fully mean but i think they are applicable to all of us well, you know, by all means, reach out to Jonathan, ask him why. <laughs> There's a story involving a hearse, a muddy field, <laughs> a tractor that didn't turn up. All because of his famous words, Live, Live dangerously, dangerously, Dave. Dave.